Thank you, Pastor John. And I'd like to say just personally, wherever you might be at the, in this moment, think about you often. Each week I just come and, uh, and the pastors also pray for our church community. And so I want you to know that we're thinking of you. We're praying for you in the midst of this time. And so as you, uh, wherever you may be, I imagine, I try to imagine you where you might be at this, this moment. As I look at a camera, I imagine you sitting in your couch or at home, maybe driving in the car, going for a walk. Who knows what that might be, but just know that our thoughts and our prayers go with you. And of course, if you need any support, any help in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We are, we are here to offer you that support. And it's a privilege in these times to continue to be able to meet in this way. Yes, we're, we're not here, but we can meet in one spirit. We can encourage each other with worship, with prayer, and we can come to God's word, which continues to inspire us and to encourage us in these times. And in the, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this particular series called Not a Fan. Because Jesus doesn't call us to be fans, he calls us to be followers. Followers of him. And this is our last uh, portion of this series. But I'd just like to let you know, we're going to continue on with a, another series called The End of Me. And it's a follow-up to this. It's going to continue to unpack this theme uh, you saw the advertisement for the small group there, so jump on board and be a part of that as well. Um, but that's where we'll be going also with our series uh, beyond this, as we unpack this idea even more. But today, we're going to be drawing a line in the sand, because there is a point in every dating relationship when each person has to decide where the relationship is going. Two people often starting off as friends get to know each other. They start to get a little bit interested. They might even enter the dating phase and that can uh, last for years but it can last for weeks, months, who knows. But there's a point where each person in that relationship has to ask, where is this going? Is this the person who I would like to spend the rest of my days with? There's a point where that decision needs to be made. And this is that place where we'll ask the same question in relation to our relationship with Jesus. We have spent a number of weeks unpacking this idea that Jesus calls us to be his followers, not just fans on the sidelines. And he has made it very clear. He loves us. He came, he gave his life for us. He, he rose from the, from the grave so that we could come and be restored back to him. And so he accepts us for who we are. He invites us no matter where we are, to come and to walk with him. But we each have to make that decision for ourselves. So as you're listening in this moment, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? As we read the Gospels, we can see that Jesus offers himself to the people, to those listening to the crowds, and we see varied responses all throughout, all throughout. Today I'd like to focus on an interesting part of Scripture in John chapter 6 from verse 26. And as we unpack this, we're going to be looking at this idea, is Jesus enough? Have a look in John 6, in verse 26, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. 
In another translation we read, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Now I want to unpack the context of this passage a little bit. If you've got your Bibles, open them up and have a look. You'll you'll get a a better picture of what, what is being said. Chapter 6 in John starts with a a miraculous event. It's even titled, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. And in this story, we see Jesus uh, being flocked by crowds. People are pursuing him. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to see what he has to do. In in verse 2 of chapter 6, we actually see the motives for them following him. We read, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. So in this particular instance, people are flocking. They've heard of the miraculous things that he does and so they've come to see. And we go on to read that over 5,000 men, possibly over 13,000 men, women and children are fed in this event by Jesus Christ. And then that night, we read that he slips away because we know that they want to make him, that the crowds decide that they want to make Jesus their king, the king that they have been waiting for. So he slips away from the crowds. And early the next morning, the disciples wake up and they don't know where Jesus is and they assume well, he's probably gone to the other side of the lake. That's where, we were, that's where we were heading. So they get in their boat and they start going over and another miraculous event, Jesus meets them walking on the water. And joins them as they go to the other side of the lake. And that same morning, the the crowd wake up. They've camped out overnight and they wake up and they notice that the disciples are gone. They notice that Jesus is gone. And so they, they understand that they've gone over to the other side of the lake. So they too pursue them. They continue to follow him. They get in their boats and they, they also go to where Jesus and the disciples are. And they seem keen in this moment, don't they? They seem very keen. Where is this Jesus? Where is he going? And they pursue him. They, they look, they do what looks like following him. And finally they catch up with him. And they ask, teacher, when did you get here? And Jesus shares these very words. I tell you the truth that you were looking for me. Why? To be fed. You haven't come for me, Jesus says. You've simply come to have your fill. It reveals the intentions of their hearts. Crowds were, were there for the miracles, they were there for the feeding, not for Jesus himself. And then in verse 35, Jesus will go on to say this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. These are interesting words. Remember, this comes shortly after. He's fed them. He's fed this crowd in a miraculous way. And he invites them and says these words, I am the bread of life. You see, the offer here is Jesus himself. The question will be, and simply is, will this be enough for the crowds? So as we unlook, unpack this a little bit more, I'd like to look at a number of phrases that help us understand and unpack this even more. The first one is this. 
when Jesus is the only thing on the menu, you find out if he's the one you were really hungry for. When there are no other options, that's when you truly find out if Jesus is enough. Now, these times often come in those uh, times of complete despair, in those times when Jesus is the only thing left. You see, it's in those places when we find out if he's what we really need. It's in those times where he becomes more than just a man wearing a blue sash, let's say, those times that he becomes our only hope. And so here in John 6, the crowd has to decide if Jesus is enough. Are they hanging around just for the perks or is it about the relationship? He offers himself as the bread of life. He continues on in John chapter 6 to to speak about himself as the bread of life, that his body would be broken on a cross and his blood would be poured out for them. And in verse 53, he says some words that confuses them that seem quite striking. In verse 53, he says, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life. We read that they were unsure of what he meant. Jesus, of course, is alluding to the celebration and remembrance of his his death on the cross. He's alluding to the celebration of communion where, where his followers would take bread, they would take the cup and they would remember what he would do on the cross. But many would not understand, many were confused, many would walk away. We read in John 6, verse 66, that from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Many turned around and no longer followed. This is the truth. This is what happens. We we read in Matthew 7 from verse 33, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Whether we like it or not, many people won't accept Jesus' invitation. It seems that people like the idea of heaven. We like the idea of the miracles. We like the free bread, maybe. We like the free show. Maybe the chance to be around a a, a community. We like the excitement. But what happens when that gets all wiped off the slate? What happens when Jesus comes and simply offers himself? It's often at those times that many people walk away and they aren't interested. This story and this this telling from John in verse 67 of chapter 6, Jesus then turns to his disciples. He says this, then Jesus turned to the twelve. So now, this is Jesus now turning to the closest ones, the ones who he has called by name, the ones he has gone to and spoken to face to face and invited them to follow him. He looks at them and he says these words, are you also going to leave? Are you also going to leave? Are you going to leave like all of these other ones who've been following me for so long and now that I've only offered myself Are you also going to follow them and go? I wonder how Jesus said these words. 
can only assume, we have to read into the context here, maybe it was with disappointed, maybe with a broken heart. But imagine for a sake, imagine for a moment that you were dating again. For some of you, you might have to think a long way back. For some of you, maybe you're dating right now. But imagine you had a huge crush on someone and you finally got up the guts to ask them out on a date. You take them out, you you take them out to a movie, let's say, and you choose to pay. So you take them out, you buy the popcorn, you buy the movie tickets, you shout everything. You go out for dinner before and, and, and nothing is off the menu. You know, it's, Choose what you like. And out of the generosity of your heart, you take them out and you, you pay, you cover all the costs. And it goes well. It seems to be going really, really well, actually. And at the end of that date, you ask them again. You're like, would you like to go out again? And you're, you're glad because the response is yes, yes. And so you, you book another outing. This time you, know, you, you go out and you have a, a day in the city. And again, you, you pay for all the meals. You, you go out and enjoy enjoy the big wheel, you, you pay for everything and you're having a wonderful day. At the end of the day, you come home and, and you're feeling like this is going really, really well. And so you ask again, would you like to see me again? And then thankfully they say yes again. And for a third date, you think, hey, I want to, let's, try, let's try something different. And so you go and you, you pick them up and you go to a beautiful park. You go for a beautiful walk. And sort of halfway through that walk, the, the other person looks at you and just gently says, is this all we're doing today? Like, what do you mean? Is, is this all? And they say, well, is this it? There's, there's nothing else? Very quickly you'd learn and realise many would walk away. And so Jesus, watching these people turn, looks to those closest to him, wondering if they would go too. Would his disciples turn out to simply be fans? Would they leave when his teaching got tough? Was this group more focused on the crowds? Was this group more focused on the things that he, that he gave? Were they more caught up in the attractions? Or were they actually attracted to him and to his message of life? Would this group abandon him? We read their response from verse 68. Simon Peter speaks up and speaks on their behalf and says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow, what a response. You see, we see this, we understand this truth in the disciples, that when you really know Jesus as Lord, you do not want to leave him. Peter's answer sums it all up. Where will we go? This one answer seems to sum up so many questions. Who could lead us like you could? Who could teach us with wisdom like yours? Who could possibly bring us to God but you? Why would we ever want to leave you? For you are the Messiah. Who else is worth following compared to you? How could we ever find someone else like you? All of this seems to be summed up in this response. 
There's a a sense that they understand with all their heart that this Jesus is truly the one he says to be. Fans bail when things get tough. When Jesus asks them to sacrifice, when he asks them to take up their cross, when he asks them to die for themselves. Followers know Jesus as the truth because he is the truth. Well, where else would we go? For those who would walk away, I wonder if they really knew, if they really knew and were really convicted of who Jesus was, sure that they would also stay. You see, if the crowds had full assurance that Jesus was the Son of God, if they could be 100% certain that following him would lead to eternity, then I'm confident they would also stick around. I mean, who wouldn't? We know that Jesus is true. When we, when we come to those passages of Scripture that are tough, when he calls us to do things that are challenging, we can look at them and, and know that it comes from one who loves us. It comes from someone who is the truth, the way, the truth and the life. We would have a much easier time swallowing and obeying when we know Jesus is who he truly says that he is. But there's a problem. There's a problem for so many that walk away. And it's this. When we don't know the way we wish, we don't believe the way that we should. And the first half of this is very hard to face. And it's this. Times we can't really know for sure that Jesus is Lord. Now, don't get me wrong. Pause for a moment. You see, there's evidence for and against our belief, but in reality, we live by faith. We can only know so much before we have to make a decision by faith that Jesus is who he says that he is. And for many people, there's a request, there's this desire to say, Jesus, I need you to show me more. I need you to prove yourself. Go a little bit further. Show me a little bit more of who you are. For many, they wish they could have it all laid out, almost as if God would write it in the sky. Or maybe their request is there. And I've heard this many times speaking to people, well, if God just showed himself to me, if he just gave me a vision or a dream, Or maybe he could come down directly and just speak to me face to face. Maybe if he sent an angel in a time of need, maybe, maybe then I would believe in him. Maybe then I would know that he is who he says he is. But life is not like that. And it wasn't like that for the early disciples either. And think about it for a moment. These disciples here who followed Jesus saw him face to face. They saw the miracles. They participated in the very miracles. They saw people raised from the dead. They saw sick people healed and yet they still walked away when Jesus offered only himself. You see, there's a moment, no matter what you've witnessed or experienced, that you need to step out in faith and declare Jesus as Lord in your own life. There's a point where you need to choose to know and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. 
Choosing to know and believe is a choice. A choice we all have to make. Just like the disciples made. See, it all comes down to whether Jesus is enough for you. It comes down to the fact whether you'll choose to move from being a fan, when that could be. We can go in confidence simply because we know his name, because we know Jesus. In Hebrews 9, 27 to 28, we read this, And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people, He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him. If you've never read this portion of scripture, open it, underline it. Hebrews 9.27, it says this, Each one of us is destined to die. And when we do, we're all going to come before God. We're all going to come before him. But Jesus Christ, who offered his life as a sacrifice for us, has taken away our sin so that when we come before him, if we've received him as our, our saviour and our, our Lord of all, that in that place we are not judged by our sin. No, we find salvation and freedom in him because of what Christ has done. So have you put your faith in Jesus? You see, on that day as we come before God, no one wants to be declared a fan. It's on that day when you need to be a follower. You know, we're not offered any guarantees in this life. But Jesus guarantees some of these things. That if you put your trust in him, he will never fail you. You may not know what tomorrow holds, but you can know that he will be by your side. You can know that if you stake your life on his message of truth, he will stake his life on your eternity in heaven. You can know that if you put your trust in him and your hope in him, he'll guide you to an eternity with God the Father. There's no guarantees in this life. There's the uncertainties of each day, the the changing situation around us constantly. Jesus guarantees that we can... No one can decide this for you. I have come to church your whole life. Your parents might be believers, but they can't decide this for you. You need to make that choice. Maybe you've been hearing about Jesus Christ. Maybe you even like him. Maybe you're fascinated by him, you're intrigued, but there's a time when you need to make a choice. Will you follow him? Not just be a fan. Will you, like these disciples, say, Jesus, where else will we go? We choose to follow you because you are truth. No matter what else comes, we're going to follow you. Will you say, Jesus, it's you who have the words of eternal life. It's in you that we believe and that we know is the Holy One sent from God. We choose, I choose to follow you. 
So today I want to encourage you, invite you, challenge you to make a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you've been a fan for many years, maybe only for a few days, I'm not sure your journey, but I'd like to encourage you today. Will you simply say, I don't want to be a fan. I don't want to watch Jesus on the sidelines anymore. I commit my life, I give myself fully as a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter what comes, I give my life to Jesus. For you are Jesus Christ, who you say you are. I believe in you and I will live my life for you. I encourage you this morning, whenever you listen to this, Declare that in the depths of your heart, maybe even out loud with your very voice. Declare Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm going to pray now. I'd invite you to listen, but also there's a portion there, there'll be a time where you can respond and pray with me. I invite you to not wait, but to take this opportunity here that is given to you right now. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you and that you hear us, that you are alive. We thank you for all that you have done for us, for the love that you have poured out on us and that you showed us by dying on the cross and by raising again. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that For all you have done, you you did not even spare your own life. You gave everything to restore us back to yourself and we thank you for that. And you call us to follow you. You call us not to just watch from the sidelines. You call us to make a conscious choice and decision to say, yes, I will follow Jesus no matter what comes take up my cross, good times, bad times and I will follow Jesus. Call us to follow you because you are truth. There is no other way to eternity, there is no other way to God the Father but through you. So like the disciples we come and we simply say, who else but you? We follow you. So as you listen to these words and as you're listening right now, maybe you've already made the decision in your heart and your spirit to say, yes, I need to move from being a fan to a follower. If that's you, I just ask that you pray these words in the depth of your heart and your spirit. Now God, who is spirit, hears the cries of your heart. Simply say these words, Father, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to be a fan watching on the sidelines. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I commit my life to following him. No matter what comes, I will follow you. And I thank you that you give me the strength through all things and all seasons to live my life for you. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed those words, I want you to know 
you're a follower of Jesus. And I pray that the Holy Spirit may come and you will know his very real presence in this time. You'll be very aware of who he is in your life. And that as you go from this moment, you will know with boldness and go with boldness as a follower of Jesus. Lord, I pray for each person here also that has already been and already is a follower of Jesus Christ. I pray that you may encourage them, give them confidence once more to keep their eyes focused on you. Again, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will give them boldness also to live their days for you, no matter what it brings. Keep our eyes focused on you, we pray, in all things. Thank you that we don't do this alone, that you are by our, that you are by our side each and every step of the way and that you give us the strength to carry on. Keep our eyes focused on you. Again, we just want to say thank you for who you are, for your love for us, for your grace, for your mercy and for the privilege of walking with you. The privilege of knowing life and a life of abundance in and with you. Give you praise and pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.